You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Alan Chews. He's the book critic for NPR's All Things Considered. His latest novel is To Catch the Lightning. His latest collection of travel essays is A Trance After Breakfast. Thank you for joining me, Alan. My pleasure, Rick. I can finally remember the title of that book because if you have a trance before breakfast, you won't be eating breakfast. That's right. (laughs) Or you'll be throwing up breakfast. (laughs) Yes. Now, uh, today we're covering two books that on the outside couldn't seem more different, but I contend that both are modern and quite effective horror stories. <laughs> Let's talk about a novel that is arguably the best novel of either the last 10 years from 2001 to 2011 or the next 10 years if you count your decades from the zero, so 2010 to 2019, I guess would be the, it. And that would be Jonathan Franzen's Freedom. Well, you're going to get a big argument from me about that. Well, I... Now, I think that you and I actually have a, a fairly similar take on this novel. Uh, for me, it's, I, it, it reminds me in many ways of modern architecture or maybe a Philip Glass con- uh, concert uh, in that it is incredibly beautifully crafted. You cannot wa- read one page of this book without going, oh, my God, where did he get that sentence? The sentences are nicely made, no doubt about it. Uh, but as uh, sometimes happens with uh, Updike sentences, they call too much attention to themselves, and you, you lose the sense of story. And you think, oh, this is a very smart writer, uh, rather than uh, dwelling in, the, in, the, in that uh, dreamlike state that we usually demand of a book, which is, you know, we want to get pulled in and, and, and not think about the fact that the world we're in is made of sentences. So, uh, you know, I think uh, he writes uh, a kind of smart poetry mm-hmm. in prose, but uh, I, f- I found it both uh, engrossing and disengaging at the same time. And as far as the craft of the book goes, I mean, what did you make of this? long sequence uh, that comes up pretty soon in the novel in which the uh, Patty, the main character, writes uh, a, a kind of autobiographical narrative for her shrink in the third person, uh, referring to herself in the third person. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not ruling out that her shrink couldn't have asked her for that, but it is uh, really rather off-putting to read. Um, I found it ironic in that I'm, it's supposed to get me close to the character, but all it does is push me further away from her. So I think that was a kind of tactical error on his part. Um, but you know, let me just say, it, you know, he's a brilliant writer, brilliant, brilliant writer. And, uh, you know, the characters are interesting, but he really kept me at arm's length from them rather than making me feel sympathy for them. I actually, well, the only real sympathy I felt for them is that they were in his novel (laughs) instead of, you know, a novel by somebody who really could express his sympathy for them in a way that would make me feel the same sympathy. 
you know, for me, it's kind of like Tolstoy on 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 uh, tranquilizers. You know? <laughs> well, for me, for example, the the long piece you you mentioned and some other portions of the novel, they really partook of what uh, science fiction writers call info dump. Yeah, a- and I think he does that really effectively, and it's interesting. I thought to see that done with a character, kind of daring, and as you say, somewhat off-putting. But I, I think that that gives us a sense of who that character is too. If she was referring to herself in the third person, maybe she has more in common with her husband. Well, who is I mean, the, ca- the character so disconnected to himself, <laughs> he barely knows his own name in some sense. Yeah, I mean, they're a kind of sorry couple. I mean, she's you know a, a college athlete who never really uh, makes something of herself in life after college athletics, kind of basketball bovary is the way I look at her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, you know, her husband is uh, kind of a jerk whom she marries in spite of herself, and uh, then she falls in love with his best friend, who's a, a rock and roller, uh, whose career, I guess, seems a lot like... Uh, like Franzen's career as a writer, uh, gets a lot of success and doesn't really like himself for all the success he's getting. Um, and I guess about three or four hundred pages into the novel, they have an affair, and that you know worked for me. The affair itself worked for me, but it uh, seemed to me come uh, kind of took a long time to happen, too long for my narrative taste. For me, one of the things I like is that about this book, and I, I like about Franzen, is that he's really, I think, in many ways, a, a, a brilliant psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. He really understands his characters, and he has the craft and, and the skill to let us understand his characters, even if he doesn't particularly like them. And I think this is what separates this novel. I think certain readers will find this novel engaging and and informative about you know the lives and mores of the american middle class in the first decade of the 21st century Mm -hmm. and it certainly is that i think it's a it's a brilliant and somewhat skewering view but and no matter how brilliant the architect is no matter how perfectly crafted the sentences are it's like a, a an art made of razor blades you really can't touch it you can't get close to it, mm-hmm. and, and I think that um, that's where it, it both its brilliance and its its flaw lies. In that, it's it shows us an excoriating view of the American middle class, but we can't really get inside that view. We can't understand, even though we can we can understand how these people became that way, but we can't, as you say, sympathize. There's no sympathy in this novel. And to that extent, it is really, to me, strikes me as a horror novel in that, (laughs) I mean, uh, in that this beautiful house, this beautiful wife, uh, to quote the talking heads, um, how did I get here? It's it's a fate worse than death. Well, is this time to segue into the discussion of the Guillermo del Toro, or shall we talk a little more about the Franzen, this Franzen phenomenon. Um, you know, that my, my review aired uh, on All Things Considered uh, the first week of August, mm-hmm. and uh, so that really jumped the pub date. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
you know, then two weeks later, he's on Time Magazine, on the cover of Time Magazine, and and then three weeks later, the editor of the New York Times Book Review, Sam Tannenhaus, jumped his own pub date by posting his review that was going to come out a week later uh, on on the Times website. Really? So every every you know, we jumped the pub date because uh, you know we're always looking to fill holes in the show with these reviews. Uh, you know, a two-minute hole in the show uh, is, 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 came up, and they filled it with a review. Um, but, you know, Michiko Kakutani is always jumping pump dates, so I didn't think it was a big deal. And, but uh, I was out there alone for about two and a half, three weeks with the only negative review of this book until... Thank God, Ron Charles ran uh, his rather negative review in uh, in the Washington Post uh, last week, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. It was lonely out there while everybody else was marching along with friends. Well, I think, as I say, I think it's uh, it, it's like a piece of modern architecture that looks beautiful on the outside, but it's a, certainly a place you'd never want to live. And I think... What you were talking about before, that narrative involvement, this is the difference between a viewing experience of a novel where you kind of walk through it and go, oh, wow, mm-hmm. look, at, look, at the, look at these sentences on the wall, yeah. as opposed to a novel where it becomes that waking dream, the reading experience where you're living, where you're willfully living the yeah. lives of the characters. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, buyers beware. They have to know what they're getting into when they mm-hmm. pick this thing up. It's really, you know, to go back to Updike, who has the same subject, uh, you know, from an earlier time. I mean, his prose is a is a really wonderful uh, lyrical prose, and Franzen's prose is more, you know, like uh, Nine Inch Nails. You know, <laughs> uh, so it, it could be just a matter of taste. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe uh, people want to listen to that kind of music. I mean, I certainly can listen to it now and then but and enjoy it. But uh, as a steady diet over nearly 600 pages, I, I found it uh, really off-putting. And uh, so I certainly can't uh, agree with you about this being, what did you say, the best novel of the last 10 or maybe the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. Abs- I mean, absolutely not. I mean, you know, it's a a serious attempt to capture the middle class. It's a successful attempt. It's just that it's un- an unpleasantly successful attempt. <laughs> Don't you think? I mean, that. No, all right, I'll give you that. I mean, yeah, sure. It's not. It, and I think that your point about nine inch nails is really a good a good analogy. In that, I can happily put on the headphones and listen to a six-and-a-half-minute Nine Inch Nails song mm-hmm. and enjoy it. Wait, yeah, but but, what, what but I'm not going to sit down for a two-and-a-half-hour Nine Inch Nails rock opera. Right. <laughs> where, I was, where I will sit down for yeah. Verdi. Yeah. yeah. So, so this book is the apotheosis of what people call, quote-unquote, postmodernism. Is, is that a fair statement, you think? Is that like skill without heart? <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it seems like to me. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's trying. Maybe this is all the heart he has. Uh, and in which case, uh, maybe we should talk about the vampires now. Well, you know, um, 
speaking of vampires, this is a very difficult novel for when you're from a technical standpoint. This is a middle novel in the trilogy. Right. It has, doesn't have a beginning. You know that, and you know it's not going to have an end. Right. Nonetheless, I thought this was remarkably successful. Yeah. yeah. Highly involving. Yeah. And I thought, you know, uh, superbly entertaining and, and often kind of darkly and disturbingly poetic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Uh, you know, the uh, I mean, the opening pages are kind of a bit jerky. There's a reprise and a summary of Volume One and. And so you kind of lose some momentum there at the beginning. But mm-hmm. once you... Uh, once he gets the first new plot twist in there, right. you start to go, oh, my God. And yeah, I mean, this is... Let's, I mean, let's say this to whomever is listening. I don't know, one person or a thousand people. But, uh, I mean, this is the best vampire stuff <laughs> of our generation. I fully agree. It really, and I think that this has a lot of, in in many ways, what what Franz's novel lacks. You Blood. Have, <laughs> people with stingers in their mouths, yes. But, yeah. But I think that you get insight into characters you who are clearly not good, but you kind of still are empathetic and sympathetic with them. Mm-hmm. And the characters you're supposed to be sympathetic with, you're really sympathetic yeah. with. And yeah. Moreover, I think that there is a kind of a nice nod to what could, you know, what happens when you take 21st century America and turn it upside down and shake it a lot, mm-hmm. <laughs> which uh, doesn't actually happen in, in Franzen's novel. But you kind of think, I, you get the feeling that Franzen almost wishes that uh, Del Toro's novel would come to pass. Yeah, I, 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 I would agree. Um, Amazing. The guy is a very gifted uh, movie director, and uh, working with uh, Chuck Hogan, the novelist, uh, really turned out, as I say, the best vampire books that that we know in our time, that we have in our time. And there are a lot of people writing vampire books. Yeah, and, and talented people, too. I think they do really well with areas that might be extremely hazardous to approach. Uh-huh. I mean, in terms of involving the Holocaust and the Nazis. I mean, right. you say that, and you just think, oh, my God, this is going to be dreadful. Yeah. And, but it's it's anything but. It's involving, intense, well-plotted, and... You know, I can hardly wait for the third book. But that said, this was a very satisfying reading experience. And then I walked away from this and saying, yeah, that's why I sit down and read a book. Right. And which, you know, to come back to to the Franzen novel, I mean, it's really rather interesting that, you know, you and I who read a lot Mm -hmm. and care a lot about fiction should feel the deepest empathy with the, what is really, uh, you know, a genre book, and, mm-hmm. and, and, as opposed to a book that, uh, you know, is very daring and puts itself out there as uh, an attempt to capture the essence of our time. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you make of that? Uh, you know, I think that part of that is just uh, that I think as readers we're starting to realize that genre fiction can be as powerful as as literary fiction. And I think that it's just a matter of, you know, everybody's got the same toolkit, <laughs> the English language. And, and uh, Del Toro and Hogan seem to have, as horrible as things are in their book, they like everybody in their book mm-hmm. a lot. And I think that that speaks to the deep 
importance, if you want to involve your reader and get him involved in what is the reading experience, that waking dream, yeah. it helps I, to like your characters. Yeah, I mean, that is, uh, maybe we can talk about that uh, next time because I've just finished the new uh, Carré and the new Elmore Leonard mm-hmm. and the new Philip Roth. And, 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 you know, it would be interesting to juxtapose those books uh, against the Roth. But finally, I mean, it, what it says is uh, about, uh, you know, the, these technically brilliant novels. That really, and, I, and I see, in a way, Don DeLillo as the, the the vanguard, you know, the flag carrier in all of this, mm-hmm. who produces technically brilliant books and did from the start. But the more he uh, grew into his own career and his own body of work, uh, became more and more disengaged from his characters and more and more interested in the design, the architecture uh, of his novel. Um, so maybe we can talk about that. We will get back to that next time. I've been speaking with Alan Chews. His latest novel is To Catch the Lightning. His latest book is a collection of travel essays, which will give you a trance after breakfast. Thank you for joining me, Alan. Great pleasure, Ray. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.